Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome to the Sports Cage, live from the concourse of the Brandt Center. Show is brought to you by our friends at spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and they'll match your first deposit of 25 to 250 Dollars. Lots going on in the sports world, and we are here for this big matchup between the Pats and the Spokane Chiefs. Um, they haven't met here, I think, since 2018. We'll talk about that with the voice of the Pats, Dante DeCaria, in a couple of minutes. He joins us for a couple of segments. We'll hear from Jamal Morrow around 4.30, talking about his college football coach, Mike Leach, who passed away unexpectedly recently from a heart attack at the age of 61. He actually got Jamal Morrow to be the coin flip expert because Jamal was on the prices right. We'll hear that clip and then hear from Jamal. Luke Molliner joins us before 5 o'clock. Craig Reynolds from the league meetings will talk to us about the goings-on of the CFL and the schedule. We'll hear from the public address announcer of your Regina Pats, Darren Zabo, the man behind the microphone at each and every game for, I think it's two decades already, or pretty close to two decades, for Darren Zabo, old radio colleague of mine. Farhan Lalchi joins me. We talk a little Christmas. We have hump day humors, we like to call it, and Tim Peel, the former NHL ref, joins us before the show is done. Zinger back at the station there. Hey, I didn't... Uh, I lost interest after Canada went out. I'm cheering for Argentina now. Who won today, Morocco or France? There, Zinger. France. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be an Argentina France final. So what was the score in that game? I think it was two nothing. Two nothing last so Morocco, time I saw. Yeah. Yeah. So Morocco, the luck runs out, but the France was a powerhouse. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Messi, uh, he he'll go down as maybe one of the well, he is one of the greatest. He could be arguably the greatest player of all time if he can win that yeah. World Cup trophy. Sunday and where's at go 9 a.m. Yeah. Su- Sunday at 9 a.m. Okay, we'll get that Kevin Holness on our uh, local soccer expert to uh, talk about that coming up here uh, this week. All right, joining me here on the concourse is Dante DeCaria of your Regina Pats. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. How you doing, Balls? I haven't seen that bow tie. I don't think I've ever seen this that. Is this is actually a new one. My mom. What's new? See, look, and I pay attention to you. <laughs> Your mom what? My mom just got this one for me, okay. and it's actually the first time I'm wearing it at home. Mm. I've worn it um, one other time, and it was in Winnipeg back on November 17th. So that was a loss. That was a loss. You're trying to make it a winning bow tie. That's thing. correct. I am very superstitious with the bow ties yeah. and the suits, Yeah. Um, but I try to 
stay with the same bow tie if, if we won with that one. Okay. So what does that mean? It's like do you? I've never worn a bow tie. Is that a clip on or is that a tie on one? Um, so it kind of wraps around underneath the collar. Oh, okay. And then there's just a little clip. Okay. So do you? So superstitious. Like how often do you get that dry cleaned or washed or how the often? The bow tie? Yeah. Do you ever, oh, I don't. You don't. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, how are they going to get dirty? Yeah. Well, I you know, coffee on something. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. So yeah. you, so you, you you're a little superstitious. But I will give credit to uh, Ken Schneider, the assistant coach of the Regina Pats, who on the BC road trip actually taught me how to iron my shirts. I, had, I didn't know how oh. to iron my shirts. I'm not an ironer either. I'm me 50. Either. You're yeah, in your exactly. early 20s. I uh, I had a steamer. Like, For sure. I had a steamer. I lost yeah. that in a, in the divorce. But I do have uh, a significant other who loves to iron on Friday nights. Her deal, I love her. Her deal for Crescenda is she said, here's the deal. You go downstairs and watch sports. I like to drink wine and and iron on Friday night. So, boom, it's perfect for me. That's I watch awesome. whatever hockey, football, whatever I want. <laughs> That's beautiful. I come, my shirts are nicely pressed. That's hey, good. Um, um, speaking of the ice, uh, I want before we get to other things, like this team's a juggernaut. Like what what makes them so good? Well, besides you know, having great players, I get it. I mean, the first thing that I think about when I think about the Winnipeg Ice is a they have a lot of elite talent. Yeah. B they don't give up a ton of shots against. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at Daniel Hauser, I believe in his career he's like fifty and three. Like in his <laughs> crazy, career, eh? right? And he has nine shutouts lifetime. Yeah. And he's their starting goaltender. And they just added an NHL drafted goaltender in Mason Bullpit. So they've already added depth to that position. No, they don't give up a lot of shots. Last year, they gave up on average, off the top of my head, like 22 against per game, which is incredibly low, mm. right? Makes the goaltender's life a lot easier. Oh, my God. For example, last game, the Pats were outshot 40 to 20 in that in that 6 1 loss on Sunday. So, again, they don't give you a ton of scoring chances. How many of those 20 were quality shots, as we like to say? I, I would say the Pats probably had, like, you know what? Like, Despite going 0-4 against Winnipeg this year, I've actually liked the... The way they played? I'd say maybe three of the four mm -hmm. that they played. Like, even Sunday, I mean, you talk about a depleted lineup. No Connor Bedard, a tired group at the back half of a 3-3. Three three. Yeah. Ty Spencer out, Tanner Brown out. Like, they had a completely depleted lineup. They were having... They had to call up a 15-year-old. Like, what can you do, right? You, no. And you're playing the best team in the league. Yeah. Yeah. So. What's, a, what's a rink like to call a game in? I mean, it's... It's not a real rink. Yeah. It's not a real yeah. WHL rink. To be where do you set, where do you set? Do you have a booth? Where do you There's set no up? There's no booth. You just you're like in this kind of table above, uh, the amongst Pat. the fans and everything. No, you're right above the Pat's bench. Oh, that is that awkward for you? It is extremely awkward yeah. because my crowd mic hangs over and I'm always and I have my hand on the knob because yeah, yeah, I can yeah. hear everything that's being said. Mm -hmm. So the first time that I went through it, I I joked around with the coaches after the game saying that every time I would hear watch this guy or look or this or this or that I would actually look over and I was anticipating what was going to happen already so that was kind of an added bonus um, but and then there's the other stuff where you could hear the yeah the cursing and all that so yeah that's that's, the, that's yeah. the hard part that's an interesting market because they have a lot of competition for their dollars with they the, do. with the moose with the jets with the bombers with that with baseball um, so what where do they stand in getting a WHL like rink like where does that stand right there's now? not a single shovel in the ground and the, from what I understand it has to happen ASAP. Yeah, I mean or that's a black guy in the league kind of. I think it is. I I I hate to say it, Brian Munns, but that it, it is. A, it, there should not be a WHL team in that rink. There should not. Just like, just like, I don't know why he continues to push the Arizona Coyotes narrative. That little mullet arena, it, that's a joke. That's an embarrassment on the NHL. 
And you can tell me, oh, uh, NHLers, it, for, it's it's kind of nice. It feels like they're back at junior days. Get out of here. You're a professional league. That should and just like that, that's that's embarrassing. Well, like for example, just to kind of take you behind the scenes in Winnipeg, and I don't mean to drag this out, Michael, but like every game for the Winnipeg Ice is a road game. Mm-hmm. They do not have their own dressing room there. They don't practice there. They have their own practice facility. So every game, just from being there three times in the last couple of weeks, you get to know the equipment guys and stuff like that, right? And, and I'm always there yeah. a lot earlier. So you talk with the equipment guys and the trainers and stuff like that, and they're having to pull up a, a truck to the back of the rink, and they're unloading everything. Like they're on the road. They're on the road. Every game is a road game for them, and then they have to set up the room. They only get the room... Um, because the Bisons play there, the University of Manitoba. So they only get the room so many hours before puck drop. So say they get it six or seven hours before puck drop, they're hanging up all the gear, they're getting everything ready, getting the skate sharpener out, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Then the game's over. They have to pack up and bring everything to the practice rink to, to dry out. Nightmare. To air out. It, Nightmare. It, it's, it's, it's sad because that market should have a WHL team in terms of the amount of great players that come from Manitoba. If you think about it, I think one of the reasons why a team moved there, not only because of the proximity of the Eastern Conference and the Eastern Division, but also because, like, there's a lot of great players in Manitoba. And it was all Brandon that was getting all these guys, and that's why Brandon was an absolute juggernaut for so many years. Now it's Winnipeg and Brandon who are in close proximity to these Manitoba-born players. Before, if you were from Manitoba and you wanted to play in the Western Hockey League, your dream was to play for the Brandon Wheat Kings. So you went and played for the Brandon Wheat Kings, mm-hmm. right? Now it's like, oh, I got two teams. Yeah, you know. So I'm old enough to remember the Winnipeg Warriors before right. they moved to Moose Jaw. Uh, do people go to the games there? Average about a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, a lot for that rink. I think that's really it. Only holds like thirteen hundred. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, crazy. Uh, Dante DeCaria joining us here. So let's talk about Regina Pats hockey because that's why we're here. Uh, prior to that game, things were looking real good for this uh, with this team. You kind of throw that one in the trash bin. No, like that's what that's in the rearview mirror. To be yeah, quite honest yeah. with you, I mean, team seven and two last nine games. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so what's all. been going right. I don't. I don't know if. Is it quality, a bit of a quality of opponent, uh, or is it all what the Pats are doing? I look what? at the teams they've beat, and they're beating teams that they should beat. Which and is good. In order to be in a playoff spot, you have to beat the yep. teams you should beat. Last year, I felt that wasn't necessarily the case. There was a lot of games in which the Pats let slide games that they should have won that they didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So they beat all the BC teams. To me, that's a fairly weak division. The only team that they lost to out west was this team that they probably should have lost to, and that's the Memorial Cup host Kamloops Blazers. So you shove that one aside. You win the other five, right? So you're yeah. five and one on that trip. Then you come back home, and right away you've got Prince Albert should beat them. They're in the basement. Yep. Calgary tied for six with Regina, so that's a coin toss. The mm-hmm. Pats ended up getting the victory. And then Winnipeg, you expect to lose that game. So the last nine games, the Pats, to me, have won the seven games that they should win. And they've lost the two that they should have lost. I hate to say it, but those are the two top teams in the league. Where if you say they were going to lose, okay, they'll probably lose those. Or if you were going to lose two games on the last nine, yeah. Yeah. say last ten, you count tonight, yeah. right? You say you go eight and two last ten if you win tonight against... Spokane, who has just six wins on the season. One and four in their last five. They're coming here after a rare victory beating exactly. Yeah, so Then you got you got to say, okay, we're beating the teams that we're supposed to beat, yeah. and we're, we are where we are in the standings because of that. Now the interesting test is going to be Friday, Saturday. These are the games I always loved as a, as a young broadcaster or a young fan, when the Aginlas, when the Charas, when these guys would come in from other teams. 
because that's the only time you got to see him, right? And then the pandemic hit and everything. We haven't seen Spokane here since uh, 2018 by the game notes that you did very astutely. Uh, the weather might play a factor, but th- these are the games I encourage fans to come. I encourage them to come out to every game, but these kind of games, because you don't get to see these teams very much. No, you don't. You don't get to see the Spokane Chiefs a lot. They've unloaded a lot of their top yeah. players recently. It seems like the Winnipeg Ice have almost been a, an affiliate to them because all of their <laughs> top players are being traded to Winnipeg, which is kind of funny, but um, they've got, I don't know, three or four good players on their team, like top scorers. I mean, Tommaso DeLuca, yeah. an import from Italy. I'm a little biased towards him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of excited to see him play tonight. He's one of their top players. Um, you know, Berflet, who came over from Winnipeg in a trade, he had over 20 goals last year. Um, they're not necessarily the most talented team, but they're still a dangerous team because they play in the WHL. And that's something that the coaching staff always likes to talk about when I do interviews with them, is that you can't take your foot off the gas against any team in the league because they're in the WHL for a reason, and it's junior hockey. Anything could happen at any point during the game, so the Pats cannot take this opposition lightly. I love when John Paddock showed a pulse of blue gasket and cam loose, but it ties into what you just said okay what you just said uh spokane winnipeg kind of you know looks like an affiliate trading partners okay are there teams that have uh, a, a a good relationship where they're like okay yeah i'm gonna yeah I, like we're, we're camp he said he made a couple of trades john said with the gm and camlips is there more you know teams like that where like say hey medicine hats never trading with swift kirk because we're pretty tight uh, you know what i mean like i don't know if regina and moose jaw trade a ton no they don't like, they don't they trade make a ton. minor yeah, trades yeah. but i wouldn't see them make yeah. a massive deal yeah Right, because they're within your yeah. division. You don't see it. Like Calgary of- and Oilers, or Calgary, Edmonton and Calgary don't make many deals. Exactly, right? Now, there's no slight against the Winnipeg Ice and Matt Cockell, the GM of the yeah. Ice, on making moves with Spokane. I mean, they've identified players in Spokane that they feel fit their team, Jack Finley being one of them last year, and he was an absolute beast. And then this year, picking up Graham Swart, a drafted defenseman by Nashville, and then San Jose prospect, the goaltender Mason Bopit. So, I mean, you can't really go wrong with those trades. It's just kind of funny that they've made three major acquisitions in the last two years with the Spokane Chiefs. As far as the Regina Pats go, I mean, a handful of trades of Prince Albert last year. This I, I don't know if John necessarily has a trading partner, but I do feel that GMs, although they might not admit it publicly, do have good relationships with each other and will talk or will kick the tires on different players, whether they come to fruition or not. I think that's all a part of just hockey being a close-knit community, right? Like, for example... Um, as John said in that press conference in Kamloops, him and Clouset have made some major deals in the past. For example, in Medicine Hat, um, John Paddock acquired Connor Hobbs from the Medicine Hat Tigers yeah. in exchange for Kyle Burroughs. Right? He was part of that trade. Yeah. Great trade for Med Hat because Burroughs obviously finished his career there, You know, helped them, went on to play in the NHL. He's now with the Vancouver Canucks, whereas then Connor Hobbs is one of the top defensemen in franchise history, set the record for goals with 30. So... It worked out for both teams, right? Yeah, for sure. So have you noticed the difference uh, being around him uh, with John Paddock in terms of, because he went through a health spell there in a tough year last year. Uh, does he see seem rejuvenated? Like I, yeah. I joked, I said, hey, man, it was awesome to see him have a pulse. When he did the interview with me driving himself away from you guys out to BC yeah. because of health stuff, he seemed really relaxed. It was one of, it was my best interview with him. Like I, he's not one of my favorites. Uh as a person he is, but not as an interview. But there I was I enjoyed that interview with John Paddock. Well, the one thing with him when you're interviewing him, the one thing that and people do ask me about this, you might say, Well, because he talks very soft, he's very calm, he might, oh he's boring. Well, he's, if you actually really pay close attention to yeah. what he actually has to say, he's very honest, he's very direct, 
And what he actually says makes a lot of sense, and it makes you think, "Wow, what a smart hockey guy!" Well, he's not a dumb interviewee, no. but he is—he's—he's he's dry. He is a dry guy. He's a dry guy. But you're right, soft-spoken dry I, I, guy. I actually—I do really enjoy doing interviews yep. with John. Yeah. To be quite honest, and I know Rob Vanstone does as well, just yep. because I enjoy actually paying attention, closing my eyes, and actually listening to yep. what he has to say, because what he has to say is actually very intelligent. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, John's doing great. Um, if you watch him on the bench, he gets very fired up now. Oh, yeah. Um, for, <laughs> there was, uh, man, especially in Winnipeg, when, you, when you're when you that close, you can really feel it. But I forget where it was, but it might have been in Kelowna. I forget. Was it Cologne or Edmonton? I'm I'm trying to remember, but there was <laughs> there was a game where he got so upset and and to be quite honest with you, there has been yeah some unfair officiating yeah. recently towards the Pats. Like it's yeah. just been it's been weird recently. Atrocious, yeah. Like for example, the Pats don't get a single power play in PA the other night, and there was at least three or four penalties. Yeah, and I think it was in PA, but John jumped like maybe three or four feet up in the air, all the way to the top of the bench, and had his hands clenched together and he was yelling so hard so loud at the referee I've never heard him yell that loud he was so into it and you could hear it from the other side of the rink right so cleaning out the pipes th the reason why I bring that up is just an example that he is so en energized to win hockey games he is so passionate about this team he loves the game so much and uh, I, I think if he's doing that on the bench I think he's alright Dante DeCaria the voice of the Pats will be back for another segment in a moment this is the sports gate for spreads.ca from the home of the Pats the brand center on 620 the sports cage is your locker room pass we're talking riders on Saskatchewan sports radio 620 CKRM Capitals are on the board. Wow. And none other than who? Alex Ovechkin. Shiri drops it. Another opportunity. Side of the net. He's running. It's in. And the Capitals get the power play goal. Alex has two goals. Four check. Mantha centers in front. Kuznetsov had the shot. Loose and there it is. The 800. Alexander Ovechkin has Yes, the great eight, Alex Ovechkin, 800 goals the hat trick last night. Hawks lose to his Capitals by a count of 7-3. to three. He is our clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. I'm here with the voice of the Pats, Dante DiCaria, who calls at least half of the games by himself. I will tell you this right now. And I'll get your opinion on this because you're the hockey guy. But if if a color commentator ever walked over my call of a momentum or a momentous goal like that, I would throw him like a javelin out of the broadcast booth, except for if it's Luke Moner because he's way bigger than me. Like that color guy took away the thunder of the call. I don't want to go too far on this, Michael, but the one thing I will say is. You know, I was taught by some really good broadcasters, and I have my own code that I like to go by. Yeah. And the one thing when I have a new color guy like I do tonight, yeah, uh, by the name of Mark Black, who I'm really excited to do the game with tonight. He works for the NHL. Oh, nice. Um, he's a close friend of Gord Pritchard, and he, yeah. he was able to connect me. So, but, uh, sorry, not to get off topic, but the one thing I always touch on with color guys is I'll cue you up, yeah. right? So when they're first with me, I'll usually point when I want them to come in. I want to finish my call, and usually when I'm done is when I finish with the time and score or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Or 
2-1 Pats, 13 minutes to go in the first. Suze Lev picks up his 17th of the season. For example, I'm just bringing yeah, yeah, up yeah. an example, yeah, right? Yeah. As a color guy, you have to know your place on the broadcast. My guess, and I don't know the Washington Capitals broadcast team that well, is that this guy's been there for a while, right? Yeah. He should know not to jump in and cut that guy off. He should know. You can't. You just can't do that. You have to know that the play-by-play's -play job, Jerry Howarth always told me this, is to drive the bus. You're driving the bus. Mm -hmm. Color guy's just sitting passenger. He's along for the ride. Yeah. You're painting the picture. The play-by-play the -play guy is the guy who is painting that canvas. Yeah. Right. The color guy is just adding the details. I think Ovi is at a. Uh, he's 36, going on 37 years of age, and. I have a yeah, great story. Yeah. So when we were in Edmonton, yeah. I had the chance to actually run into Ovechkin. Oh, nice. Um, it was pretty cool. So the Capitals were practicing. We were getting ready for our game. And uh, Ovechkin was down there uh, because our room was right beside the Washington Capitals room at Rogers Place. Yeah. And Ken Schneider and I are getting ready to to do our um, pregame interview. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this guy comes bombing down the hallway, yeah. Alex Ovechkin, the grade 8, and he says, hey, what's going on, guys? How you guys doing today? And I, and I look over, and Kenny's like, eyes wide open like that. And I was like, oh, okay. Right? And yeah. he's like, what's going on, fellas? And they, oh, hi, how you doing? Doesn't even know who we are. We're just random guys. So I think as much as this is a great milestone, just having seen him do something like that and just I even saw the way he carried himself around just janitors and stuff like that at Rogers Well, I love Place. the way seems like a great guy I love what he said he said yeah. I don't want to be a third I don't want to be Gretzky's record being a third line guy playing five minutes a night I want to be I want to be a guy in the top six doing something like he wants to do it the right way he doesn't want basically what he's saying is he doesn't want to just be a hanger on to beat the record so right. I like that about him he respects the game take all the political stuff because people weigh in on that with the whole Putin thing aside the guy Guy gets, yeah, leave that alone. The guides gets as excited for his goals as he does his teammates' goals. I really like how he and Sidney Crosby have uh, matured. Quick story as it ties into the Pats. Jamie Heward was his teammate That's when he right. first broke into the league with the Capitals. And there was a night where people were lined up to get his autograph. And he bolts out of the dressing room and blows past all of them and goes to meet his hot date before he was married. And they were going out on a night on the town. I don't know where it was. <clears throat> Hewer brings him back and said, you're going to be the face of this league. You have to start acting like it. Sign those autographs. And he thanked Jamie for that. And, and, Did he, eh? And, and I'll tell you this. Uh, I got well, Brooks. Connor signs. He'll sign yeah, for everyone. And that's so. great. And so I got Brooks-like Brooks -like, uh, ACDC tickets when they were here yeah. back in the day from Mawota, Saskatchewan. And so teammate of Alex's. And then it was right before Christmas, knocked at the door, get this package from Maryland. And I'm like, I didn't. Or open it up. It's from Brooks. He got me all the Capitals autographed um, uh, card set, right? Like Fedorov, everybody's on the team. Um, and then at the bottom of the bag or the box, I pull out, it's an Alex Ovechkin autographed jersey to my buddy Ethan from your friend Ovi. And so it's from my son. So it's cool. So we're, oh, that's cool. So we're kind of rooting for, we're actually, I'm the hugest Gretzky fan, but I am, I'm rooting for Alex Ovechkin to beat him. I didn't think he would, but now I do think he's on pace to do it. He's just got to get to, he's on pace for about 45 goals this year. That would mean he needs two more seasons of 30 goals and he'll he can surpass Gretzky. I think he will too. He's got and a great shot. Does. He can just sit there in the slot and just rip it. Not, I don't think there's ever been a better one-timer in Probably NHL not. history. Probably not. I mean, I think the one guy in the last decade or so that 
was even pushing him in the NHL, at least actively, would probably be Stamkos. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, uh, quickly, uh, we're going to let you go, but let me ask you this. Already, eh? Yeah, time flies, man. Let me ask you this. In terms of this game tonight, this is a must-win for the Pats. In terms of you got a team coming in here, they're not spectacular. You want to make the playoffs. you got to make hay when the sun's shining, even though it's snowing outside. No, I think I agree with you, Michael. And the one thing the Regina Pats need to not think about coming into this game is the Christmas break, which begins... Yeah. Good point. This weekend, right? And I had a great conversation with Ken Schneider, the assistant coach of the Patch, last week about how we only have so many games left before the Christmas break. We just came off a huge road trip. We just finished a 3-3. Three and three. The schedule has not been easy for this club in the yep. first half. Second half, it gets a lot lighter, which is a positive, right? They'll be yep. re-energized with Bedard and Spolzo and all those guys coming back, hopefully a lot healthier as they're really banged up tonight. But again, you have to focus on, let's get these three games out of the way. Let's focus on the task at hand, and then let's have our Christmas break. Because a lot of the time, your mind can go and you think about seeing your friends and family and yep. so on and so forth, and then you say, well, I'm just going to pack it. No, you can't. You can't. And that's and, and I think the, the coaching staff will have the team in check tonight and ready to go because this is a dangerous team in Spokane because you cannot take them lightly. They're in the WHL for a reason. Mm-hmm. They beat Moose Jaw last night, for, for God's sakes, 5-2. Yeah. Yeah. They can beat anybody. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Can't wait for the call in a couple of hours of the pregame show. We'll be back with more of the sports cage in a moment on 620. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the sports cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. One of the most screwed up things about this country is the fact that in order to do anything, in order to cross the street, we always have to have a committee, you know, and I said, you know, uh, and so I figure, well, screw the committee. We really only need one guy, and and now he's got to be smart enough to call either heads or tails. That's it. So then I thought about, well, should I get the biggest guy on the team or the littlest guy on the team? And then I thought, well, Jamal Mora was on The Price is Right. And was fairly lucky and went to the final round and almost won the sucker. And it was closest to the price, but he's over by, he's over by like $3. The other person's under by like $60. But since he's over, he loses. And, and, and so I figure, well, Jamal Morrow's a lucky guy. Uh, <clears throat> plus, he's got pretty good energy to him and stuff like that. So why not Jamal Morrow? And so then Jamal Morrow goes out and did have an amazing knack for winning the toss. And then, I mean, wins it almost all the time. I mean, literally. Win, I mean, I'm serious about this. I don't know what his record is, but it's something incredible. And then, um, <clears throat> but I don't even really care about that because one way or the other, you get the ball one half or the other, except one time when I played in Nebraska. Oh, I'll tell you a story on that in a second. So hold on to your hat. And then, so Morrow goes out there and he had a funny uh, tendency to win. Then I'm thinking, I don't want to sit here and think of and sort out a new guy to do it. So Jamal Morrow has gone out there for the coin toss for about two and a half years, and then we got on a roll, and so then I liked it even better. (laughs) There will never be another Mike Leach, sadly passing away at the age of 61 from a heart attack, one of the uh, most accomplished coaches in FBS football history in uh, the United States NCAA. And this guy, Jamal Morrill, the man he was talking about, is with our Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Jamo, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, man. T- tough times, I'll tell you that. 
Uh, it is a tough time, I know that, but it, it, listening to that guy, listen, thanks to YouTube and everything, I don't like a lot of social media and all that other BS, but thanks to YouTube, we'll always have Mike Leach quotes. Was he really like that in person? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the what you see in the in the media on YouTube, his press conferences is what you is that what we got in our meeting room. So like, literally the exact same. I mean, he'll go on this a random tangent of what when, when we're in our meeting room is what we're supposed to be talking about football. He just goes on another tangent for another thirty minutes. We're all just sitting there like we need to go, but he's just having the time of his life, just you know, talking about whatever, whatever's on his mind. That's what he's gonna talk about. And like we're, we have like a game, we have a game plan to get ready for, and he's just going on on this random whatever we're talking about. But that's exactly who he is as a person, and that's what makes him so great. What uh, what did he mean to you? I know you had a a pretty big a Twitter and Instagram post. Uh, it looked like he meant a lot to you, uh, Jamal. Yeah, I mean, he was just a, a guy who actually, you know, like, coming out of high school, I didn't have too many, you know, off, off offers, but he was a guy that kind of believed in me. And, you know, and so once, you know, he, he, he told me, like, yeah, I believe in you, you can have success. And so that just kind of meant a lot to me. And I know, like, what he, I knew what he had done before with his previous teams. And so, I mean, like I said, he was just a guy that installed, you know, so many just great morals in you. Like, he told us, he broke it down, everything was the same. Like, respect everyone fear no one play the next play and be the most excited to play and so those are like the three things i'm always he's he installed us each and every day and so like it kind of just kind of kind of create the mindset i have today and so just regardless of whatever happens you gotta you know respect everyone fear no one be be the most excited to you know play each and every day i just wake up each and every day and so he meant so much to me and you know they're not even just to me but to the whole you know college football community so definitely sad to you know to lose a guy like that but i was very very grateful to spend time with him former texas tech coach he coached uh jmo there at washington state university with the cougars and of course wrapped up there with the mississippi state bulldogs like i said passing away at the age of 61 he had the air raid offense the ball threw the ball around the field man it was like a video game how much did that at washington state and his offense help you kind of adjust to the canadian football league where the running back has to catch the ball out of the backfield oh it I mean, it's exactly made me the player today, and it was actually hilarious. Like, during my, like, whole NFL draft period, he always told me, like, hey, you would make a very good running back in the CFL. So if the NFL don't work out, like, you would you would be able to do some damage up there. And, you know, and he told me that before I was even, like, interested in looking into it. And so then once I got up to it, he, I'm like, he was right. Like, this game fits the way I play the game. And uh, so, being, I mean, you're, it's all about space. And that's what the CFL is, especially for a running back. You get the ball in space and you got to do what you have to do. And so it was kind of just setting me up, you know, to, to, for my success, you know, that I had, you know, in the CFL so far. Yeah, we were talking about innovative coaches in our life, uh, lifetime. People would say, you know, uh, there's Buddy Ryan with his defense with the Bears, Air Coriel in San Diego with the Chargers, and before that with St. Louis. And you've got, uh, you know, a guy like uh, Mike Leach with uh, with the teams that he coached with the Air Raid offense. Jamal Morrow joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hey, you're back in Rider Colors. I haven't talked to you since then. Congratulations. How does it feel, man? You are going to be one of the key contributors one of the anchors on offense. In fact, I would say 
uh, you'd be hard pressed to find a better anchor on offense right now. We don't even have a quarterback per se that uh, we could we, we got our team wrapped around. So you're the guy right now, man. And you would have been my player of the year nominee because I do get a vote. I voted for Sankey, but it was going to be Morrow until you got hurt, man. So uh, just the, your thoughts on being back in Rider Nation. I mean, I, I mean, right, I'm, I was excited. I mean, JL reached out, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I don't want to be anywhere else. And so he reached out. I knew at the time we didn't have an offensive coordinator. We didn't have a, a quarterback at our, you know, state or whatever was going on with that situation. But I was just like, hey, well, regardless of the fact, I know what I can contribute to this team. And, you know, I, I'll be a cornerstone, you know, to, for us, you know, to build around so we can get to a great cup. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, we can get everything situated. But uh, as long as I'm, I'm super excited just to be a part of the team and be a cornerstone to this offense and to the success that, you know, that we can have next season. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll get to the offensive coordinator in a minute, you guy you know well, Kelly Jeffrey. But the quarterback situation is tenuous at best. Did, that didn't cause you any pause for uh, for reflection before putting a pen to pen to paper. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I knew whatever whoever's at quarterback, whoever's at the helm, I'll be able to assist him. So I mean, in terms of you know pass flow, getting the ball in the space, running the ball, like I knew what I can bring to the to the quarterback to help him. So I mean, I'm just hoping you know we have a guy or we keep the guy, whoever whoever we bring in or whatever's gonna happen with that situation that you know like they'll they'll know they'll have a steady pe- uh, a weapon that you know in the backfield with them at the same time as a. Yeah, let me ask you a question, Jamal. Were you, and 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 answer it how you want. Don't answer it. I, I'm just asking you, okay? Did it was it a head scratcher for you with the quarterback situation at the end of the year with Cody, or you don't it just whoever's uh, behind center, you just play your your game? I mean, yeah, I was. I just play my game, you know. Whatever the you know the, the upper management wants to do, that's what they have to do. But you know, I didn't want to look into too much into that. You know, I was just there just to you know play the game and whoever we want with. You know, I'm, I'm gonna go out there and do my best, you know, to to help them out and you know help them and try to you know get them to to success. So that was kind of the main thing. I didn't really you know look too much into it. I was like, all right, whoever they go with, that's their choice with, and what is gonna go with it. So. That's kind of how yeah. you know, I, I post the whole situation. Yeah, and I know it's a, it's kind of an uncomfortable question to ask. Uh, you, you you go to battle with somebody uh, and your your friends and your teammates with them, whether it be Cody Mason or Jake Dolagala or whoever it's going to be next year. Uh, Jamal, you're one of the guys that came out and endorsed Kelly Jeffrey as a, as a great offensive coordinator. You thought he'd make a great uh, offensive coordinator. Why is he going to be good for this offense, do you think, now that he has the job? Yeah, I mean, he has, you know, from what I've seen in, in our film room, the way he broke it down, like the offense down, he broke it down from an offensive coordinator perspective when he was when he was with his running back. So I was sitting there like he's going over what the receiver should do, what the quarterback should read. I'm just like, all right, that doesn't really matter. That's easy, you know. Like, let's just look yeah. at the pass protection and our routes and all that stuff. So he he's a very offensive minded person, and um, so just being in the the film room with him and how he breaks down film and what he sees, and he was drawing up some of the plays that we ran last year, you know, and so some of the successful plays. So I mean, I just know I think he has a, a great offensive mind and he has the ability, to, you know, scheme guys up. And so I'm super excited to to see him at you know him to be the offensive coordinator this year. And I have nothing, you know, but but. Faith in him to get the job done. 
Jamal, I just took 60 listeners down to Los Angeles, to your neck of the woods. We watched two hockey games in Anaheim with the Ducks, and we watched two of those NFL games at SoFi, okay? Beautiful stadium. Uh, you know, I love me some SoCal. How the heck do you deal with the traffic down there? It drives me nuts. <laughs> exactly. You stay in the house and you don't have to. You know, you gotta you gotta pick and choose when you gotta leave the house. I mean, the traffic is unreal. I mean, I I live like a, about an hour outside of LA, so I don't really go there too much. But when I do, it's like, all right, what time is the best time to leave the house? Why I don't hit that much traffic? And it's always about timing, you know. But I mean, literally, like, I mean, to go five miles and probably take you like forty five minutes, it depends how bad traffic is. And so. I mean, people, you got to do what you got to do, but, you know, you, you pay for it. You do with that for the weather, I guess, you know. So I guess that's what people, you know, come to SoCal for, is just for the weather and to deal with traffic. So, I mean, you pick and choose your battles, I guess. Hey, uh, we're glad you're back at Rider Nation. Thanks for spending some time with us. Have yourself a great rest of the week, Jamal. Hey, you as well, man. Take care. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, that's Jamal Morrow, Riders running back, former uh, player for Mike Leach, the great college coach who passed away on Monday unexpectedly from a heart attack at the age of 61. When we come back, we'll talk to a guy who played college ball down south. He's with us in the booth every week in the Rider Radio Network. That would be our friend Luke Molliner. It's the Sports Cage on 620. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. 449 with the sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. Give them a call. The World Cup final is set. France beat Morocco 2-0 today, so it will be Argentina and France in the final Sunday at 9 a.m. Morocco will take on Croatia in the third place match on Saturday at 9. Regina Pats game day. It's the Spokane Chiefs providing the opposition tonight. Pats enter tonight with a record of 16-13, 1-1, and Spokane. They're struggling right now with a 6-20-0-1 record. Pre-game show coming up right after the cage at 6-35. Yeah, so thanks, Zinger. Uh, you can text us, 936-6262. Our text line brought to you by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, number one GM dealership in the province, corner Rochdale and Pasqua. Uh, Sports-related, life-related, driving-related with the weather. What's the weather like where you're headed? My son is headed home. He's on the highway. Welcome back. Yeah, my son's on the way home. Uh, sorry we dropped out there. Said the roads are okay, blowing snow, uh, but uh, no snow in terms of falling. But let us know where the road or how the roads are in your area. Okay, Tom Dead on the Western Pizza Hotline speaking with Luke Molitor. Luke, I'm sitting here at the Brand Center. Pats getting ready to take on the lowly Chiefs. I'm expecting a Pats win, but then I'm reminded of your Cowboys barely getting past the Houston Texans. So let me ask you a question. 
question. You play professional football. Could it be a case for the Cowboys? They're just human. They look on tape and they say, these guys are crappy. We're going to smoke them. But then they get into the game and it's hard to flip a switch. I think that's what happened to Dallas. Well, you know, it's funny. Everybody's always like, oh, man, you know, Alabama could beat Houston. You know, no, they couldn't. Right? Like, like the, yeah. oh, man, you know, Georgia could beat Houston. No, they couldn't. Right? Um, the NFL is a tough place to win, and you got to be prepped every single game. Um, and you can't take any opponent lightly, no matter how bad they look on film, right? You still got to play. I, I really enjoyed it, and the reason why is, I mean, first of all, nobody's talking about Dak Prescott making a 98-yard last play, uh, last drive, uh, fourth quarter run, right? I'm not sure why we're not talking about that, because if it was someone else, we'd be going nuts over. We were going nuts over Baker Mayfield's um, last-minute drive, right? But Dallas puts one together, and nobody talks about it. That was was a game where that things weren't going right nothing nothing was being executed and you had to grind out a win i'll take a win like that against houston for the next four weeks versus blowouts every single week heading into the playoffs because you got to be used to playing tough um hard and last minute possession games if you can't win last last possession games in the nfl you're not going anywhere in the playoffs so i'm, I'm all for it i was happy so you look at schedules and you look at divisions and you say to yourself, oh, this is going to be a, the, maybe the best division ever. And that we said that about the AFC West and then the Raiders are the Raiders and Russell Wilson looks, he ain't cooking anything right now. Whatever he is cooking is not tasting very good. He's burning uh, so it, the, yeah. Yeah, so the AFC West wasn't solid, but the AFC East is solid top to bottom. The uh, the NFC West was supposed to be great, but then we've got Colt McCoy, Baker Mayfield, Geno Smith, and Brock Purdy as your four quarterbacks in no particular order right now. And so the NFC West isn't hot, but your team's division, the NFC East is hot. So then I look at the Riders' schedule. We don't know anything in terms of predicting. What do you think? I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the Riders' schedule, but just your oh. thoughts initially on on the oh. schedule. Hey, as, as a member of the broadcast team, I, I absolutely, and, and somebody who follows it, I love the Rogers schedule. First, Baldy, the number one big, huge win here for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is we do not have to travel to Hamilton. Boom. That's the number one. <laughs> All right? Yeah. So there we go. Second, we're going back to one of my favorite cities to travel to, which is Ottawa. All right? Uh-huh. Now, never mind the parliamentary opinion. Ottawa is an amazing city to be in if you're a CFL uh, uh, stakeholder, fan, player, whatever, right? Um, and, again, sort of like this Dallas-Houston, hey, got to grind out the last possession, I, I absolutely love the fact that the riders have to play each uh, Western opponent three times. I love the balance. I love the com com competition, especially in the situations the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to be in. And I love the fact that we're going back to touchdown Atlantic. I mean, what's not to like about the Saskatchewan schedule? I love it. Yeah, it is pretty good. I agree. And, Luke, we're running short on time, so I want to give you a couple of minutes to give us your thoughts on Kelly Jeffrey. Hey, everybody's got to get a shot at some point. Luke Molitor came into the broadcast booth. He got a shot on a Rams broadcast, and then he goes to the Ryder broadcast and is, has really developed into one of the best analysts, I think, in the entire country, radio or TV. Uh, Kelly Jeffrey's paid his dues. An American that bounced around NCAA comes up to Canada turns around a putrid Mount Allison team in U Sports. Milanovic brings him into the CFL. He ends up in Edmonton, and the rider running back room was pretty good last year. I say give the guy a chance. 
Well, first of all, you know, like one of the things you, you, uh, people have to understand is when it comes to that radio gig, you were actually one of the first ones to give me a shot because you put me on the pregame show, which I really appreciate and I'll never forget. That was one of my first forays into Ryder game day. Now, I think that when we look at Kelly Jeffrey, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by the reactions. This is the same league that Anthony Calvillo finished playing in and we just pitched him the OC job, right? Jason Moss was an OC, despite being a good OC prior to this year, right? Right out of his playing career, right? We we rushed Jarius Jackson into the situation. We rushed so many guys. Look what happened. Look what happened to... um, um, uh, Dwight, uh, the former, the right, the former um, BC head coach before Rick Campbell got in there, um, oh, Devon yeah. Claybrook. Yeah, Claybrook. Claybrook. This yeah. is a league that bumps players into highly important roles far, far too early for the Riders. And I don't care. I mean, and I, I don't care if he wasn't the first pick for the Riders to get a guy as tenured as tenured as Kelly Jeffrey is UNLV. University of San Diego, Northern State, Dickinson State, Mayville State. He turned around Mal Allison. I'm not sure what the, any Ryder fan who doesn't like it has against this guy. I'm, I am fully 100% in the court. I would have been, I would have picked him over Costanza. I would have picked him over all, like Mueller, I get. Mueller, I get because that's also a marketable thing, right? But I think Kelly Jeffrey has just as good a shot as any other person in this league. And he is a guy with considerable, considerably more tenure than the other guys that people were so willing to put in. Like, put him up against Mark Mueller. You line the resumes up and take Mueller's last name, and you tell me who you pick for a big-time program. The answer is Jeffrey 10 times out of 10. So I'm, I'm really not sure why there's, there's some angst with the Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan base. This guy's got just as good a chance to succeed in the Western Division with this offense. He's got to get, first of all, J.O.'s got to give him some tools, right? You got to have the resources. You got to have the players. But again, I think he's got, I think he's got just as good a chance to succeed as anybody else would have. And again, he's not a guy who's been rushed. This league, and it's, it's to the detriment of the league that, you, you know, we have that coach's cap. But this is a guy, right, that, that thankfully landed in the Saskatchewan Rup because we just, we just give guys jobs, right? Craig Butler was the special teams coordinator, you know, three, four years out of play. Like, we can't continue fast-tracking coaches. And, that's, and it's showing. People who actually know football know the quality of the CFL game wasn't that great this year. Okay, let's be honest. Yeah. And Kelly Jeffrey yeah. is a guy I think he has a chance. I'm happy about it. Let's roll, man. I'm excited already. All right. I love the energy. You couldn't say it any better than that. Thanks for your time, Luke. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Bo. Take care. We'll be back with more of the sports cage after the 5 o'clock news live from the Brandt Center at the Pats game on 620. I'm on Facebook. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Coming to you live from the Brant Center on this snowy, lost track of the days, came back on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, on a snowy Wednesday in Regina. We're uh, on the concourse. The show's brought to you by spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. want to thank you fine folks for making the Sports Cage the number one sports talk show in Saskatchewan. We appreciate it and 
We are that way because of our great guests who join us on the Western Pizza Hotline, like the president and CEO of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That would be our friend um, Craig Reynolds. How are you, Craig? I'm doing good, Michael. How are you doing? Awesome, man. Thanks for joining us. It's been a busy time for you at the league meetings. Now, the schedule came out. I like a good chunk of it. You can't please everybody. Initially, I want the president and CEO of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders' thoughts. Yeah, you know what? We're really happy with it, Michael. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it's impossible to get a perfect schedule, but uh, I was actually uh, talking to a fan, and, and we sort of both agreed that uh, this is one of the better schedules that we've had in a long, long time. There's, there's lots to like in it. I like the fact that it, I mean, I guess the season's been pushed up earlier and earlier, so therefore the schedule has to come out earlier. But I remember times when you didn't get the schedule till February. It's nice to have it before the calendar flips. Yeah, it really is. Um, that, that's been a goal of ours, and we've been really consistent that it's come out around this time uh, for the last few years because people want to make plans, and, and obviously people want to renew season tickets, and, 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 you know, without schedule, some, some folks will wait for that. And, and so to be able to get it out before Christmas, people are able to make some decisions, make, make some plans. We've got some holiday packs in the market as well, so they can look at, start to look at some of, some of the games and start to plan their summer a little bit. Craig, so uh, what I did hear around the office and from some fans just uh, pointing it out is they said, you know, look, at we are we got a, a few Sunday night games, not just with the Riders, but across the league. And there's been the narrative that that is to appease U.S. television. Uh, and some people are mad that we're appeasing U.S. television and taken away maybe from the convenience of a gate-driven league for, for the fans that, are, you know, put their butts in the seats for you guys. Just talk about the balancing act that is uh, doing that. And, and, and in case or uh, just to clear it up, is it because some of that uh, to appease uh, the U.S. Uh, television market? Yeah, no, I wouldn't say it's it's to appease the U.S. television market. Um, there is a broadcast component to that, as uh, though um, you know, working with, working with our partners at, at TSN um, Sundays in the in the summer in prime time, which uh, you know a 5 p.m. game in Saskatchewan is prime time. 7 p.m. Eastern is is the most generally the most watched time of. Uh, you know, games or, or, or broadcast show for them in the, in the summer. And, and the, yeah, I think that's just, you know, everybody can understand why that is. People are busy during the day. The, the weather's beautiful. They're at the lake. They're at the cabin. And then usually by Sunday after, or evening, you're, you're settling in uh, to get ready for your week. And then you turn on turn on the TV and you turn on some, some sports. So the other interesting fact that, that came up or the factor that came up was, was what happened to us this year, actually, with the, with the COVID game, where we actually had to move it to Sunday. And, you know, obviously that was inconvenience there was an inconvenience to our fans around that but what we noticed was we sold a tremendous number of tickets to families and and what we you know as i always do walking around the concourse uh, for that game it was uh, filled with families and they were having a great time and and so you know there was something something to that so i think there was a broadcast component to it uh, but there's also the you know the, the the family component to it and and also in summers you know i know so many people in saskatchewan enjoy our, our great summers and they're at the lake and and so you know when you get into a later in, in sunday you know a 5 p.m start people are starting to get ready um to, to head back if you're from regina and you're out out to the lake 
Um, and, you know, and then we always see, always want to think about our out-of-town fans. And so 5 p.m. is a, a little bit later, but, you know, we, we do the math. And, you know, if you're a couple hours away, you'll, you'll just get home. It's the summer, so hopefully um, the kids can are out of school and then get back in, in decent time. So so it's a little bit broadcast, um, but, you know, we, we, what we saw this year was uh, there was some success, success with it uh, when we when we had our one Sunday night game during the summer. Craig Reynolds, nine-team league, uh, you know, that always poses a challenge, too. Everybody's got different priorities, different uh, market types, uh, private, public, all that type of thing. And because it's unbalanced, like I said, you can't please everybody. But I, I do want you to answer this, if you can. Like, I... I I can't wrap my brain around the fact in a nine-team league, we're not, we can never compare ourselves with the NFL. They've got 32 teams. I just came back from an NFL trip. I will gladly say I think our game is better. I think our, our game is a more enjoyable product. We have to continue to refine on what we do in terms of promoting the game, but I do have the utmost confidence. Everybody on our trip is like, well, the CFL game's better, and I, I, I'm glad I saw it with my own eyeballs. But this does bug me. Why don't we play every team twice? Like, we, we, we don't have a lot of variety to start with, and then, for instance, Montreal uh, doesn't come here, and we don't go to Hamilton, just like we didn't go to Ottawa last year. Um, that that does kind of uh, make me scratch my head a bit. Yeah, well, so first I, I have to agree with your your first statement around the quality of our game. And I'm, as you mentioned, I'm here at CFL meetings. We actually went through the product review and and scoring's up. And you compare, you know, scoring versus the NFL. Scoring's up here. Our penalties were down. Our two and outs were were down uh, this year. So lots to like about uh, the direction of the game. And I think a lot of the changes we made this year around the rules really really helped that. Um, but yeah, you know, there's the the scheduling process of the CFL is so complex. You mentioned it. It's, first of all, it's an unbalanced schedule. You've got you've got nine nine teams. Then you have stadium availability um, concerns as as well. So so there's there's just some nuances that happen with our schedule that, like you said, just just don't seem to happen uh, with, with with other leagues. And and you know we we obviously want to have a lot of. Um, Interconference play, interdivision play, and so sometimes uh, you know decisions will be made around uh, around that uh, versus versus having out out of out of division play. So so lots of factors that come into building the schedule. It's certainly not not a perfect process, um, but you know um, I, I'm really happy with the, the schedule uh, that we have in front of us this year. Yeah, and you know I think the thing is is um, I like the fact there aren't as many back to back games, and uh, you know those divisional rivalries do heat up. So I do like that uh, that balance in it too, because there were too many back-to-backs last year, and I think I think the schedule makers last year, for instance, killed that Labor Day Classic between Hamilton and Toronto because uh, they had met four times in five weeks. It kind of took the shine off that. Yeah, you know what? You're, you're bang on. There's a couple things I really like about it: the consistency of start times and, and days of the week. So you see, like the, the the games we play on Saturday are consistently at 5 p.m. except for the for the last game of the year, which is which is good because it's it's potentially a, a little bit a little bit cooler. So it's during the day. Um, and that consistency, as we talked about earlier, with the, with the Sunday Sunday games at, at five across the league. So I, we think that's really important um, for for fans that that consistency. They they know what what time the, the games are on uh, television or what time the, the the home game is so so i i think that's that's important and, and yeah we made a concerted effort to, to eliminate uh as many back-to-backs we have i think there's only two and, and we're part of it and obviously that's the labor day and the and, and the rematch which which obviously we, we really like and we had a number of those last year and the other thing we had last year is we just had 
so many games in July, and, and that's a lot to ask of our fans uh, every single weekend to, to be making making the, the trip, especially for our out of, out of towners. So I'm really happy with the, with the spread this 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 year. Um, both in terms of the days of the week, um, you know, obviously our preferences around weekend games. We think that's much, much better for uh, specifically our out of town fans and, and our families. We have the vast majority of those, if you include the preseason game at seven out of ten, are on are on the weekend. We don't have a lot of back to backs, and and there's a good split. Um, you know, we we have a game uh, regular season game in June. And then two every month um, after that until until October. So, like I said, lots to like in this schedule versus last year, where where it was a bit of a challenge for us. I'm only gonna I'm only gonna keep you for a couple more minutes, and I do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule in a busy time for you. And I like the fact you said you're gonna make a more concerted effort to be in front of the fans in forums like this. So I get it. So I appreciate that. Um, with that in mind, you talked about selling season tickets. Is it a challenge, or how much of is it a challenge to sell season tickets this early when you don't? have a definitive face of the franchise like your coach is a face of the franchise but it's usually that marquee position the quarterback we're kind of up in the air right now with regards to that does it make it challenging to sell season tickets paraphernalia or merchandise and that type of thing yeah you know obviously there's 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 a couple challenges one one you, you hit on and two was just just the the way the year the year ended you know i i I, I think the you know hosting the Great Cup and there was lots of excitement. It was so great to see our, our fans out out enjoying themselves. So I, I think the the year ended on a positive note in, in that way. But certainly on the field, um, you, know, you know we struggled. And, and as you mentioned, you know obviously uh, Craig is a, is the face of our franchise. But you know the the makeup of the team isn't isn't totally known. So you know our, our season ticket window is is, is long though. Um, you know obviously I think things are going to become clearer in in in, in the in the in the days and weeks and and, and months to come and 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 that that'll help out. Um, we've had tremendous um, you know pickup already on our season ticket renewals. Again, the schedule out is important, um, and um, you know obviously showing the commitment that that we have here to to making sure that uh, we're working hard every day to improve our football team and and deliver a team the Ryder Nation is proud of and and that they believe in. So lastly, <clears throat> things have kind of settled. People, you know, okay, uh, you, you moved on from your offensive coordinator and some offensive guys. Some people thought you didn't go far enough, but hey, we're settled now. We got the GM back. We got the coach back. They didn't get stupid overnight. They got us to two West Finals. Hopefully that was just a blip. And now you got your offensive coordinator, and the perception was, wow, he was the last choice. But I just had Luke Molliner on, and we've talked about it. I've talked about it for a couple of days. Dude has a great resume, bouncing around and NCAA turned around Mount Allison after they got blown out 105 to nothing and took them to two bowl games and that wasn't exactly a powerhouse program. He was in charge of your running back room that was very successful and sometimes perception is one thing and facts are negotiable. Like you know what I mean? Like Mark Mueller comes here. I don't know that he was ever going going to come here. He stayed where it was comfortable, got a promotion. I don't think Kahari was ever going to come here. So I just want your thoughts on on where you're sitting right now with your team, with the staff you have in place right now. Yeah, really, really excited. You know, I think Coach uh, mentioned actually on your show, he, he talked about the process and, and being thorough in the process. And, and uh, you know, 
Kelly's been successful every single place he's he's been, and, and you know I've had opportunity to, to be around Kelly, and you understand why why players, uh, you know, like to be coached by by Kelly. He's a high character guy, and like I said, he's had tremendous success um, everywhere he's been. His quarterbacks have been successful, his offenses have been successful, his teams have been successful, and and he knows the Canadian game. Um, being a head coach in, in U Sports and, and coach of the year, you know he's he's had success in the Canadian game. So I'm really happy for for Kelly. I'm happy the direction we're going in. Um, there's continuity there as well. He, again, just like you know, uh, Coach Dickinson and Jeremy, they they understand uh, you know our strengths and, and weaknesses and where we need to get better. And, and when you get that um, continuity, um, you know that, that that's a good thing. So really happy with with where we landed on that, and, and happy that that coach went through a very thorough process. I think that's important as well to visit with a, with a number of people, and people are going to make individual decisions along along the way. And and um, I think the process is the most important thing. And, and I think uh, Craig uh, ran a, re- uh, a really good process and, and landed on, on 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 an outstanding candidate. Well, Craig, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Best of the holidays, and uh, can't wait for free agency to see how this thing finally shakes down. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, and, and happy holidays to you and the entire CKRM team, and, and of course, Rider Nation. All right, thanks. That's Craig Reynolds, the president and CEO of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. When we come back, we'll talk to the voice behind the mic at the Pats games for a number of years, Darren Zabel. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620. Arts Headquarters. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM. They'll match your first uh, deposit of $25 to $250. For the first time since 2018, your Regina Pats will play the Spokane Chiefs here on the ice surface at the Brandt Center. Pats have their four-game um, winning streak come to an end in Winnipeg where everybody loses. And Spokane wins a rare game against Moose Jaw. So they are not a free space in the bingo card. They're coming here in a bit of a high, the 5-2 win. Um, so uh, I was down in Southern California. California watched two NHL, two NFL games, and I sat next to my good friend and the guy who's operating back at the station, Sean Kleisinger, who is the outstanding public address announcer for the Regina Rams and the Regina Red Sox. And we were we were talking about different public address people, and we both agreed Darren Zabo does an outstanding job with the Regina Pats. And uh, you stacked up with the Ducks guy, man, and you stacked up. I think the Chargers, the, the Rams public address guy was good, but you were better than the Chargers public address guy. I think I'd be right, and Zinger's probably back at the station nodding. So uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Walsey. Uh, how many uh, were radio colleagues, but how many years have you been doing this job? You know, I, I get asked that quite a bit, and it's been so long that <laughs> I, I say 20-ish. Yeah. Um, started about uh, 2001. Just after the Mem Cup? Just after the Mem Cup, we hosted, and I got a hold of the people uh, here. I said, you know what? You guys need an announcer? And they said, we're always looking for a backup. I came and I auditioned, and they uh, fired the guy that they had, and they said, what are you doing tomorrow night? You're in. Yeah. And the rest is history. What do you like about it? The game itself. You know, coming to the rink, um, 
it's it's you get to watch the game, you get to be involved with the team and, and watch the players de- watching the players develop. You know, when they come in, when you got your uh, you know your Jordan Eberle's of the past, and you see them when they're just fresh on the ice, and you see what they become. You know, three four years in the league, and same with with Bedard, and and you can go on and on with some of the players that you watch. But you know, getting out of the house, seeing people like yourself and the rest of the media here, mm. and uh, it's just a fun environment to be. Uh, so. Um, do you catch yourself watching like Connor Bedard? Like I subbed in for you one time when you weren't. They they must have really been scraping the bottom <laughs> of the barrel because you were gone on a holiday or sick or something. And they said this is way back. And they said, Hey, Ballsy, can you sub in? I said, Okay. Well, I don't. You realize I sound like I'm a 13 year old going through puberty. I don't sound like Zabble, but okay, I'll do it. But I found I forget. I think maybe Everly was playing or something. And I caught my like. I, oh, I got. Yeah. You know, do you find yourself getting mesmerized a little bit watching like a guy like a Bedard or something? You know. You know. Ba- back. You know, having done it now for for this long, um, I don't say I'm I'm jaded and it's second nature. Old hat, yeah. But old hat's like, ah, oh yeah, Bedard scored his yes. fifth, fifth goal of the game. No big deal, <laughs> you know. Yeah. People are going crazy, but you you can really get caught up in the energy of the building. Uh, when we had that stint uh, years ago with like 17 or 18 sold out crowds, yeah, and the, doing the Mem Cup and sold out, it's so loud you can't even hear yourself think, let alone speak. You know, you're you're doing the announcement in this rink. You have over 6,000 people that are screaming and yelling and cheering, you know, you do lose yourself in it. You get goosebumps thinking about it sometimes and, and, and what the energy is like. So, um, you know, getting caught up watching the play, you're like, holy cow, did that just happen? And it's like, oh, wait a sec, I got a job to do. I got to gotta get the information and make that announcement. Don't take this the wrong way, but we were talking before you came on the air, like Zinger back at the station, he's a student of this stuff. Like he mm-hmm. was he was listening to the, this is how we got onto this, because we're listening to the Anaheim guy, and we didn't like how he announced the goal and how he, yeah. his, his cadence and his procedure of doing it, because Zinger's a student of this. And then we're like, Zabo's pretty good. But you're not a, like, you weren't a student of it. No. It's not like you said, okay, I'm going to study, uh, I'm going to study the guy the, with the Alan Roach from Minnesota or yeah. the deep voice guy. Like, you, you didn't do that, did well, you? I think I got a bit of the, like, the rolling, growling R thing yeah. from, from, like, watching wrestling, yeah, yeah. you know, and things like that. But I remember, I can't remember who the head coach was at one time. And I was really surprised when he came and talked to me. I'm like, head coach of the Pats is like I'm, I'm just the announcer guy yeah. how does he even know who I am and he and he said it to me this way he goes Darren love what you're doing but he goes I don't want disco I want rock and roll and that so it's not like the hey reach out of bed yeah. it's like he, he wanted he wanted a he wanted uh, a vagina yeah he wanted he wanted a, a, a growlier yep. sound he yep. goes I don't want disco I want rock and roll do you know what I mean I'm like hundred yeah. percent yeah and that and and since then you know um you know I hear other other announcers and that have maybe subbed in for me like yourself yep. and some yep. other guys and they're like well I tell them I look, don't try and be like me be yourself yep. do whatever you do your own style everyone's different um, if people want to try and emulate you emulate or yeah do whatever uh, and, and like how I do yeah you know that's fine but um, I I really in the past never listened to any anyone I just kind of did your so this thing. is what I think it should be. And well, I it's awesome. And lastly, I want to. You're here every night for the games. Most yeah. nights, you miss two or three a year, maybe. I love this rink. I, everybody's oh. talking about replacing this rink. I, if I had to choose, and no disrespect to the Pats, if I had to choose 
between a rink or a ball diamond in this town, I would pick a ball diamond over a rink because I think we got one of the best junior. It's old, yeah. but it's you, there's no bad sight lines, good scoreboard, good sound. I like this rink. Yeah, well, when we brought in Megatron, which yeah. we effectively called yeah. the big scoreboard, that really amped things up. We brought in extra speakers yeah. during Memorial Cup and things like that. Like, I remember starting when we still had the orange seats in yes. here, yes. and we didn't have the uh, the end zone there, uh, yeah. the upper bowl area. In the east end, yeah. In the east end. And, I mean, they've increased a lot of things, and they're constantly improving things. Uh, um, Evraz and, and, and the Pats, along with Brant and everyone who's involved with the with the rink itself. It's a fun place to be in. When this place gets rocking, it... it it actually rocks. Yeah. Like you can feel the building move. Yeah, I love it. Hey, man, yeah. you're a big part of the experience. Hey. Thanks for your time. I appreciate Not it. A problem. Always Thanks great for having me. Always it's, great talking it's, to you. Uh, it's a Wiener Wednesday, so uh, oh. enjoy yourself. How many can you scarf down while you're doing the game? Well, I could probably get quite a bit, but in the third period, it's not a good sight. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, man. Right, appreciate it. That's the public address announcer of your Regina Pats, Darren Zabo. When we come back, Farhan Lalji of TSN joins us. It's the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Brand Center. Hey, Zinger, the degenerate gambler I am. I put five bucks down last night. I took my boys, Connor McDavid and the Oilers over in Nashville. I took the, uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights in Winnipeg over the Jets. I had uh, Dallas on the road over Jersey, and then I went Colorado at home over Philly. That was a tight game, so on a $5 bet, I won 60 bucks. I oh. cashed out early, costing myself 12 But I, I, I couldn't chance that Colorado wasn't going to choke to Philly. It's one of those games where you never know, so it spreads.ca. Yeah, I had my, 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 my bank account was down to 2 bucks, and then I bet it all the way back up to one thirty-two. dollars so I'm pay off rolling some, in it, Zinger. can pay off some of those Ubers from Southern California now, man. Yeah, the, no. No kidding, man. Did you get ripped off? we oh, got to get that yeah. figured out big time. Uh, I'm crazy. still okay, aching for that. Let's head out in the Western Peach. No kidding. They didn't even they didn't even take you out to dinner before they did that to you, man. Okay, let's go out on the Western Pizza Hotline, speak with our friend Farhan Lalji from TSN. He's caught an Uber or two. Yeah, so Farhan, we did a show. I think we had you on that day. I think we did from Huntington Beach. And we yep. all took an Uber ride, and it cost us like $14 each, like the, the people that came at various times. Zinger came around the same time, and he paid 55 American. And they told him, no, it was a service. <laughs> well, so you know, Zinger probably paid for the, you know, the, like the Uber XL and you had all the, the you know, the, the climate control all set up, ready to go, right? I mean, you know, Zinger, he's a, he's a roller. You and I, we Tinted take the windows. small one, the, you know, the Uber Black, the small version. Yeah. Yeah, he was driving like Farhan Lalji. Yeah, feeling like getting the Farhan package there in Huntington Beach. Hey, uh, so this is, you know, man, I said this earlier, and I think uh, I got it from your Twitter feed on a, on a retweet or something, or maybe you initially tweeted it out. But this is this is why Nathan Rourke is getting all the workouts, okay? And this is why you don't really look at schedules once everybody's set in free agency and say, this is going to be a killer division. Like, the AFC West is going to be maybe the best division ever. And I said that, too. But then you got Derek Carr and the Raiders just being the Raiders, and Russell Wilson is playing well under his capabilities. So the AFC West, not as much of a juggernaut. And then the NFC West, you got the Cardinals, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Niners. Quarterback by Colt McCoy, Baker Mayfield, Geno Smith, and Brock 
Purdy. That is why Nathan Rourke's getting all these workouts. Yeah, you know, you're you're 100% right. It's, it is volatile. And, you know, I, I've said many times that the quarterback playing the CFL is not good currently, right? Like, there's, there's a small handful of top-level guys, and then there's a, a murky middle, and then there's a bottom end that's kind of masquerading as a murky middle. Um, but they're just, you know, this isn't the golden days of, or the golden era when, you know, you had Bo Levi, you had Mike Riley, you had, uh, you know, uh, Ricky Ray still winning great cups. You know, like there, there was a time where every team, you know, had a guy, and it doesn't happen like that. And when you look at the NFL, it's just not that different, to be truthful. There are a small handful of elite guys and you know, when guys get drafted, you think they're going to be that guy and you think this team is set and then it just doesn't work out. And you you don't have to go so far as much beyond that draft four years ago when Baker Mayfield got taken first overall and, and Josh Allen was kind of the one guy that hit, right? And Lamar Jackson stuck his way into the first round. And, you know, there, there was a bunch of guys that got taken in the first round. And it, it, like, who's really worked out? So when you look at teams around the NFL, it's, um, you know, there's a small handful, right? I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes, you look at... Uh, you look at Josh Allen, you look at Joe Burrow, and, and then it starts dropping pretty quickly, right? I mean, I, I still, I'm still a big believer in Justin Herbert. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be one of those elite guys, but Russell Wilson's not in that conversation anymore, right? Uh, you certainly um, can't say Matthew Stafford, right, who's been injured all year and was struggling before the injury, right? Like, it, it's there's a big drop-off really quickly, right? Is Deshaun Watson ever going to get back into that discussion? So, uh, And I'm sure I've missed a couple along the way here, but there are more teams looking then there are teams comfortable. And as a result, Nathan's going to get a lot of looks. And it, it's a tricky situation. You know, you and I have discussed this, and you know, I think we're on the same page, that yeah. you know, don't, look at, don't look at the obvious, right? Like, don't look at the teams with a bad quarterback at, as their starter and think that's the best place for Nathan because Nathan's not going anywhere as a starter in year one. And the teams that are really bad at quarterback, the you know, the Indianapolises of the world – those teams are going to have to draft a guy. And if you're Nathan Ork, you do not want to be where they've got to draft a guy. So that bottom end that has to draft, that top end of elite guy, you don't want to be anywhere there. But there's a whole lot in the middle that should be interested in Nathan Ork. So I I was at the L.A. game with the Chargers and the Dolphins. I think we can end the Herbert Tua debate. It's not even close, in my opinion. I know uh, Tua's had a couple of off games, and he's had a good season to this point, minus the little stretch when he was out with that horrible concussion and the, the, the scene we saw on the turf in Cincinnati. But uh, I'll tell you what, Patrick Mahomes is number one with a bullet. And after watching with my own eyeballs, the dude only had about four times where he dropped back the pass and could sit in the pocket. Justin Herbert, I don't know, man. I could make a case. I could make a case. He's the second-best quarterback in the NFL right now. When you factor in, his O-line's been a mash unit all year. He only had Allen and Williams, his top two receiving targets, finish a game for the first time all year in Week 14. He has no running game. Eckler's a weapon, but they have no running game, and their defense is trash, and they're still in the playoffs. It's because of Justin Herbert. I think for that reason, I could make a strong case he's the second best quarterback in the NFL yeah look I'm a big Justin Herbert fan I think he's outstanding I think he can win games so many different ways he's got a toughness that I don't think people gave him credit for when he was in college where things came so easy for him I love what he's done I would probably still put Josh Allen ahead of him but um, look you you're not going to get me saying anything disparaging about Justin Herbert he is uh, a top five quarterback in the NFL without question probably a top three quarterback in the NFL and, you know the other guy I forgot to mention earlier among the top guys 
Jalen Hurts has played himself into that discussion because the MVP race this year is a two-horse race between Hurts and Mahomes, and nobody else is getting into that conversation. But all things being equal, and you pointed out how they're not equal for Herbert right now, when you know when he's got uh, you know some some goodness around him, uh, he can play the game at the absolute top level. You know, you look at. Uh, what Mahomes is doing, right? I mean, they've lost Tyreek Hill, and they've still had to try to figure it out, and you know, and kind of patch guys into certain areas. Um, and and he's making everybody look good. And you look at uh, uh, you look at Hertz and just how he's kind of taken his game to a completely different level, where people thought all this guy's going to do is run the ball, and he's shown an ability to throw the ball consistently when needed. Um, you know, and his leadership skills and intangibles are just off the charts. So there are some good ones, but then there's, you know, like I said, once you get past the Mahomes and Herberts and Allens and, you know, a couple other guys there, it, it does get questionable after that. But Herbert is going to have a bounce back real quick. But you're right, you talk about that. NFC West, what a mess that is. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, uh, you have contacts in all leagues uh, uh, as good as anybody. So let me ask you this. I look on the Ryder schedule. I didn't ask Craig Reynolds because I know he wouldn't <clears throat> answer me. What are you hearing about this neutral site game, Riders and Argos? Are we doing Touchdown Atlantic Part 2? Yeah, I, I kind of sense that that's where it's headed, right? I mean, you know, you want to kind of... It's always easiest to move a Toronto game, right, that has the lowest crowds, and Saskatchewan has the most interest, right? So I could see that uh, happening again. I mean, it's not like they're in position to move games to, you know, Mexico or wherever. So it's... Um, yeah. My guess is they're going to go back there and do that again. Interesting. Okay, your thoughts, and listen, uh, you uh, had a nice tweet on Kelly Jeffrey. I have talked about it with Luke and with Craig Reynolds on this show before you got on here. So let me get your thoughts on Kelly Jeffrey uh, and what he could bring to the table. Looks like he's an also-ran, but, I mean, perception is one thing, facts are another thing. Yeah, you're right, and I think they kind of always knew they had Kelly there, and they wanted to explore other candidates, which I think is a smart thing to do, and I'm not sure as many as many candidates who said they got an offer actually got an offer, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there were some discussions that, look, if you come down this way, we will do this for you. And, and you know, candidates did have some concerns about how much input they got on the offensive side as far as the staff is concerned and other things like that. But some of the candidates that kind of have let it be known that maybe they were offered, I don't think they were. I think, you know, they went down the road and had optimistic discussions, but I don't think there was ever a, here's a two-year deal, here's the number, take it or leave it, it's your job, where it was that deep. So, uh, and, I, and I also think that sometimes in these situations, Ballsy, and you know this, it's, you, you've got to kind of try to put together your best staff. So if you think you might be able to get an, an OC that's just as good as Kelly, but now you can keep Kelly as your running back coach, maybe elevate him into a different area, and you can upgrade your O-line coach by offering the job to this guy, it allows you to create a completely better staff. You might lean that way, right? And I think that that, along with some due diligence, happened. But I, I do believe that there is legitimate confidence in Kelly Jeffrey. I think he's got the ability to really take advantage of the pieces around him and to morph the the system accordingly. And I know he said that, and everybody says that, but not very many people are comfortable with that. And quite frankly, I don't believe Jason Moss was ever comfortable with that. He wants the game called a certain way. And it doesn't matter who's out there, he's going to call the game a certain way. And I just don't think Kelly Jeffrey has got that level of, of ego. I think he's a little more pliable. And, um, you know, he's done it before at the collegiate level. He's a well-respected coach. And I think he's going to do as good a job as anyone else can do given the personnel around him. So 
Over to you, Jeremy O'Day. Fix the O line. <laughs> like I know you've been putting yeah. guys on the negotiation list that are all you know American O linemen, and hopefully you hit on a couple of these guys. But fix the O line and come up with a viable solution at quarterback. You know, you and I've talked, and I've kind of said that I have this just my gut feeling and nothing else that Chris Strebler could be the guy in Saskatchewan, right? Like I think in the off season they might make a big pitch. He might have had enough of chasing the pension and want to come back and play. You know, Dane Evans could be at play. I think now that. Mark Mueller's not there, right? It, it might be harder for Bo Levi Mitchell to to um, mm-hmm. uh, to be sold, right? But I mean, I, you know, I don't think that's over yet either. Uh, but um, you know, I like. Let me stop you for it. Let me stop. Out. Let me stop you there with the Bo Levi thing. I, I don't discount what you said about Straveler, Dane Evans. Those would be good plan Bs, but I do think the Riders are going to focus on Bo Levi Mitchell. You're right. I think I if Mueller here is here, uh, if Mueller's here, it's probably a better bet Bo's here. But let me just throw this out there to you, okay? I don't think it's the be-all and end-all. Look at the schedule. The Riders play Calgary three times. Two times there, one time in our barn. Hamilton only plays Calgary once. I know that's not the be-all and end-all, but Bo Levi Mitchell wants to kick Calgary's ass as many times as he can and be a thorn in their side. You know Bo Levi Mitchell like I uh, know Bo Levi Mitchell. Here's the other thing. You just brought it up. Kelly Jeffrey is... He wants to get another uh, uh, contract as an offensive coordinator. He'll do what he can to get that job. And maybe that's work in collaboration with a Hall of Fame quarterback that wants to have more say over a playbook. So maybe this situation isn't automatically dismissed by the Bo Levi-Mitchell camp. Yeah, no, it it may not be, right? I mean, I I think there's a lot of advantages and excitement around playing for Saskatchewan. You know, you mentioned the Calgary opportunity, and, you know, like... Will he get to the point of being available in February where he can have that conversation with Kelly? Uh, you know, or does Hamilton just make it too enticing? We'll see. But uh, look, I, you know me, I've probably been on the Kelly Jeffrey train uh, ahead of most yep. around the league, right? Just in terms of, uh, I, I don't believe this guy's just an also ran candidate. I believe he's a good football coach that's capable of doing the job. And, um, you know, does Bo believe that, right? Or does he want to go where there's a little bit more experience and pedigree and a guy like Tommy Condell? Uh, we'll see, right? Um, and a lot of it's also going to be the weapons around him. But you want to entice Bo Levi Mitchell to come to Saskatchewan? Fix the damn O-line. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Hey, lastly, we're up against the clock, Farhan. Um, you cover the Canucks, too. This Bo, Bo Horvat thing is a mess. But it's a mess by the Vancouver Canucks' own doing. That's the real uh, head-scratcher. Yeah, they could have got a Bo Horvat contract done earlier uh, this summer for a lower number. Uh, they decided they wanted to go even lower. They didn't get it done, and they went off and got uh, the JT Miller contract signed. Um, and look, uh, Miller came off an unsustainable season last year with 99 points, and Bo Horvat is probably on an unsustainable goal-scoring pace. But uh, yeah. you want to talk about character in that room and who means so much to the community and everything like that. Like Ultimately, there was a choice to be made. The organization do it with knew it when they signed JT Miller. I think they picked the wrong horse, in my opinion, and I'm a big Bo Horvat guy. I don't think they can sign them both unless they are moving, able to move big amounts of money elsewhere, which I don't think is going to happen. So I think Bo Horvat is not going to be a Vancouver Canuck come March. I think it's going to be disappointing. It'll be a huge leadership void there, and you're right. It is the Canucks' own doing. People talk about comparables. The Canucks created their own comparable, and now they've got to wear it. There's no way around it. Yeah, they out-negotiated themselves. Hey, uh, Farhan, thanks for your time, man. Always appreciate it. Uh, love to touch on all these different sports and topics with you. We'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, you too.
Farhan Lalshi joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll talk a little Christmas. Good crap for Christmas and other things. This is the Sports Cage from the Brand Center ahead of the Pats and the Spokane Chiefs for Spreads.ca on 620. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Our popular text line is powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac at 936-6262. Back to the studio and Sean Kleisinger. Yeah, we have Steven on the text line. He says, uh, the new schedule format sucks again. With all these extra interdivisional games, it will be more than likely to have the weaker teams in each, div- uh, each division buried by the end of August, says uh says Stephen on the text line, so uh, a lot of people still not happy mm. with the schedule. Dale and Melford yeah. says, so good to hear uh, Luke's view on the offensive coordinator signing. Guys like him, and their opinions are huge. And uh, Leonard's on the text line. He says, I just finished... Uh, Walking with Richie Hall and his wife this morning at the Field House here in Regina. So Leonard is uh, in cahoots <laughs> with uh, the enemy. Uh, no, just kidding. We love Richie Hall around here. Uh, Brian yeah, in Saskatoon. Regina, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian says, hi, Michael. Uh, what were you uh, talking about on the Ovechkin goal? Was uh, that not the ESPN broadcast? I'm kind of confused with uh, Brian's asking there, but uh, that's what he's asking. Yeah, well, I don't... Uh, I think uh, Dante was talking. He thought it was the Capitals broadcast. Maybe uh, it was the ESPN broadcast. But the color commentator walked on the play-by-plays call of the 800th goal. That's terrible. Yeah, whether it's radio, That's TV, terrible. I don't think you should be doing that. So yeah. uh, we got another one, Tommy no, and Davidson. Hey guys, uh, why don't they play where the Jets play? I th- uh, as far as uh, the oh, Winnipeg uh, Ice. the Winnipeg Ice. Yeah. The Winnipeg Ice. Uh, just probably uh, availability. They of already have the Manitoba like Moose the there. Yeah. yeah, the Moose play there. Yeah. yeah, the Moose play there. Yeah, keep the text um, coming. All right, let's get to... Yeah, keep the text coming, 936-6262. Zinger, I feel like I'm in the Christmas spirit, so hit it, buddy. Yeah. So, we've got... Um, We've got uh, our good crap for Christmas toilet moving around, courtesy of Cam Sebastian over Bronco Plumbing and Heating. We're moving it from business to business, courtesy of our friend Curtis at Carrie's Moving. Thanks to him for all your moving needs. Call Carrie's Moving. And all money raised over the two-week stint goes to the Sophia House Women's Shelter for necessities and also uh, Christmas gifts for uh, women and children fleeing domestic violence. So the toilet over the weekend, Butcher Boy meets on Park Street, then went to Iggy's Construction for their Christmas party. It was a Gentech Tega Building Products, and then it went over to Freeze Home and Lumber, and uh, then it was uh, moved over to um, Langshire, and then the Security Building Supplies. And tonight, it's over at uh, Rebellion, uh, so it's going to be there all night. So if you want to go over to Rebellion, uh, check it out. Thanks to Paul over at Rebellion for having our good crap for Christmas toilet over there. So make sure you donate to a very worthwhile cause. If you'd like the toilet, you can text us, 936-6262, and Curtis will move it over there. Um, and then you can move it to whoever you want in a pay-it-forward situation. So you look good. And we help out a great cause in the community, the Sophia Women's Shelter. This will go till the business close of next Tuesday, and then we'll raise all the, gather all the money and send it over to the Sophia House. You want to make out a check too? It's Sophia House Women's Shelter with an F S O F I A. All right. 
You're probably getting a good idea of where your Christmas spirit vibes are this holiday season. So you're feeling the joy or you're feeling the stress. And uh, so with regards to that, um, the penny pinching of Scrooge or are you in the giving spirit of Santa? Uh, the grumpiness of the Grinch this season, too. 58% of people say they're feeling Santa vibes. 31% say they're more like Scrooge. And 11% say they're in the Grinch mode. So I don't know. I don't know where you wave zinger there. I'm. I know you set up the tree at your house, so you're a big Christmas guy. My girlfriend does all of that. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, being with my kids at the Christmas. My son is currently listening to the show, driving in. So that's my thing. My thing's experience, not necessarily spending the cash. Now, these are the signs you're way too into Christmas, like zinger. You've attached antlers to your head surgically. You don't stop kissing under the mistletoe. Oh, wait. That's a sign you're too much like the Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Uh, another top sign, another top sign, you're way too into Christmas. To make space in your house for a tree, you got rid of a sofa and your two kids. You shoved, you shoved grandma in front of a reindeer just to relive the magic of that song. You know, grandma got run over by a reindeer. Um, another sign your way to into Christmas, milk and cookies, please. You offer Santa a lap dance in your elf costume. And the top sign that you are into Christmas, way too into Christmas, you watched the Hallmark Channel for the last two months without gagging. Yeah. Tonight on the Hallmark Channel, it's Christmas in a supermarket. He's a former college football star. Now scanning barcodes in the 10 items or less lane. She's a gorgeous widowed former cheerleader who just put 11 cartons of eggnog on the conveyor belt. Do I see 11 there? What will happen when she refuses to move to another lane and he's in a rush to get home and watch a bowl game featuring his alma mater? Well, I guess a little extra won't hurt. Will they fight over Nog or go to his place and snog? It's Christmas in a supermarket tonight on the Hallmark Channel. KRM.com The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Coming to you live from the Brand Center, getting set for the Pats of the Spokane Chiefs. We're talking with retired NHL referee Tim Peel. We've had him on a couple of times. We always love when he does come on. Hey, Tim, I just got back from Los Angeles, California, Huntington Beach, all that area with some fine listeners on our Sports Cage trip through CAA. We went to uh, two NFL games. We went to two NHL games. I wanted to focus on the NHL part. I tell you what, that Honda Center, I know they've had some renovations since they built it, but it's held up real well. That's an underrated rink being built in the early 90s, 30 years old. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been around that long, Michael. And first of all, thank you for having me on and happy holidays to you and your listeners. I used to love when I would, you know, obviously I loved working in Canada and so on. But it got pretty cold when I was going to Winnipeg and Calgary and Edmonton in, in the winter times. When I'd get my assignments and it had California, Florida, and a funny story, my wife, we had Bronson, my son, 
and she's pregnant with my with our second child at the time and I had a day off in Tampa and we there's a nice outdoor pool there at the Marriott right beside the rink in Tampa and I'm laying by the pool and I got a bu- I got a bucket of <laughs> bud, I got a bucket of Bud Light sitting beside me and she FaceTime me because she wanted me to see our son right but and and I answered the phone and all she said was really Really, you know, she's at home with with a crying baby, and I'm laying by the pool having beers. Oh, I, I had a similar story. My then wife took my son when he was ten to a hockey tournament in February in Portage La Prairie, Manitoba. Oh, geez. And I had to go on this uh, with the rate with well, it was with the radio station, but I got hired to go MC this function in the Grand Caymans, and I'm there. Oh. I, I'm, I'm having a great time, and she's uh, she almost dies on a. Uh, passing out from behind a semi. That was the last time I did anything like that. Uh, maybe that's why I say it was a former wife, but that's a story for another time here, Tim. Uh, hey, uh, is there an underrated rink for you? Like, was there, I guess, was there one rink you like to be in, uh, you know, as opposed to other rinks? So one of your favorite rinks? Yeah, I wouldn't say underrated. I think my favorite building to work in was was Montreal. I love the atmosphere there. Uh, whenever, whenever Mario, when, you know, obviously when he was playing with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and especially when he came back from cancer, whenever Mario Lemieux was playing in Montreal, obviously being a, obviously being a, uh, Quebecois, and when he would come to Montreal, you could feel the vibe and the energy in the afternoon, not even at the game, but in the afternoon, just walking around that city. I loved working there. I loved working in Madison Square Garden. Uh, Philadelphia, even though the fans were crazy, I loved working there. But I loved, and obviously I loved working in the Canadian buildings. You know, they were, they were some of my favorites, of course, working, working in, in the, in the country that I was born and grew up in. I like the theme of this, uh, uh weddings, marriage and hockey because I just had a friend she and her husband went to uh, St. Louis and Kansas City for an NFL NHL trip for their 25th and they went to I don't even know what it's called now it was the Keel Center it's been so many things in St. Louis she is a blue enterprise, enterprise yeah. and she's so pumped to go there and uh, she was telling me what a great hockey town it is I know you're familiar with St. Louis tell us why tell my listeners why St. Louis is a great hockey town because we think of it as a Cardinals town yeah, and certainly it is Cardinals first for sure. You know, I moved here in 2001 from Toronto, and back then, you know, the Cardinals were on a roll. They won the World Series in, in 2006 and a couple of years after that, I think. And when I quickly moved here, I realized I better learn. Because, you know, like growing up in Canada, we had our Blue Jays and the Joe Carter days and so on, which was a lot of fun. But certainly baseball wasn't the forefront uh, of us or for us. And when I moved here, I quickly realized I'd better become a baseball aficionado because that they, that's certainly their sport. But the, then it's the, then it's the Blues. You know, the Blues were an expansion team that came here in 1967, and they actually made the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year, which is hard to believe. They got swept four straight by, of course, the Montreal Canadiens. But they they had this old building here. It used to, they, it used to be called the Checker Dome. It was owned by Perina. Uh, uh, cat food, dog food, mm-hmm. and their logo is the checker, and they called this building the Checker Dome. And it was very, 
very small. The, the fans were on top of uh, on top of each other, on top of the ice. And back then, you had the rivalry: St. Louis, Chicago; St. Louis, Minnesota. And you know, when fighting was very prevalent, and, and the St. Louisans just quickly became huge fans. And and then you you go forward thirty, forty years. You know, I was at a Blues alumni event the other day, and you've got Chris Pronger, Keith Kachuk, Jeff Brown, Al McGinnis, on and on, Kelly Chase, Tony Twist. I could just go on and on of all the Blues players that have retired here in St. Louis because people people think of just downtown St. Louis, but like most most U.S. cities, people live in the suburbs, and it's just a great place to raise your family. The weather's nice. You know, it's 50 degrees here today. So it's just a great place to live, and, and it really, uh, when, you, when you look at the Blues players that, that retire here, it really is a true indication of what a great town it is. I don't know if I'd call them underrated, but one of the superstars that came from the Pats, Barrett Jackman, loved his time there too, has staying around Barrett, in that community. Barrett, I, I, I should have mentioned him because he was at that event the other day, Jackson good friend of mine we see each other all the time yeah he was he was a good regina bat, bat boy and yeah i see jacks all the time he coaches his boy caden now in triple a blues hockey and uh there's another guy that just uh was was loved by st louis hockey fans and and in turn he loves living here so uh, i gotta ask you this question uh, a referee not uh, obviously a player or coach in the nhl but i'm here at the brand center getting set for the pats and the spokane chiefs and we We've got uh, the next one, Connor Bedard, the young superstar. He's not playing tonight. He's with Team Canada. But do we fast-track kids too fast into the NHL? Like, well, you know, when they play American college football, they come up through the States, uh, you know, either in the NFL or the CFL here, 22-23. It's not as bad in the CFL because they're making uh, everyday money. In the NFL, NHL, you're throwing a lot of expectations and a lot of do-re-mi at these young kids. I think it, I almost think it's too fast sometimes. No, and it's a really good point, Michael. And and the only I would say years ago, a hundred percent. You know, when I came in the league, guys, no matter if they were drafted in the first round or the fifth round, they they spent two or three years in the American Hockey League. Hockey League, they learned their craft down there. You didn't have the young guys coming up like they do now. You have the exception, you know, when Sid the Kid came in at eighteen. But I think this day and age these kids are ready you know i see here in st louis jordan jordan Cairo and and uh robert thomas two 22 23 year olds that are making eight million bucks a year for for the next eight years because when they come in the league at 18 19 they, they've been a pro for a long time. It's different than what it was years ago. Years ago, you know, they played hockey, and then in the summertime they did other sports. And I'm not saying it's, it, I think it's still important to play other sports, but for these guys, these, this, especially players like Connor Bedards of the world, world, they, this is their job. This is their job at 16, 17, 18. They're training 12 months a year. They've got an agent. They've got a, uh, an advisor. It's a different world we're living in, and I think they're they're more mature. And you look at the, some of the young stars that are in the league right now at such a young age, and you know what? Good for them, and I think it's great for our sport. You talk about maturing. It's funny. I uh, 
I watch Crosby and see how much he matured. Uh, I'm watching Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I was, you know, I didn't know who I liked better. Uh, at one point it was Crosby. Then at one point it was Ovechkin. I like them both now. Ovi, uh, he gets as excited for his own goals as his teammates' uh, goals. 800, man. Uh, just talk about his greatness and some of the greatness you've been around. Like, who's the best player you've shared ice with, in your opinion? Yeah, first of all, with Ovi, it's an incredible feat, and you're so right. Like, I, I was watching the game last night, and and he's, and I was also watching the Winnipeg-Vegas game, and they commented, actually, on Mark Stone, how excited Mark Stone gets when he scores. And Ovi's been like that since he gets, he's been in the league. He just, you're right, he loves to score. He loves it when his teammates score. And watching a guy like him, it's just, it's, it's contagious because it's just incredible. Incredible that I don't think we'll ever, ever, we shouldn't say ever. I don't think we've ever seen so far. We may see it down the road, but I don't think we've ever seen a one-time slap shot like his from the left side on the power play. It's it's truly remarkable what he's been able to do. And I said on on a show that I do here in St. Louis with Jamal Mayers and Andy Strickland, I said it on yesterday on Tuesday. I said, you know what's remarkable about Ovi? He's not a perimeter player. This isn't a superstar that doesn't like to get hit, plays on the outside, lets his teammates do all the physical work. He's the first one in the forecheck. He's the first one in the back check. He throws his body on the line every night. And he hasn't been hurt. His knock on wood for him. He hasn't been hurt his entire career. Of course, he's had the odd bumps and bruises, but really shows how durable he is. The greatest guys that I ever was lucky enough, you know, Gretzky, Mario, of course. But that was really early in my career. For me, I'm like you. I was a big Sid fan uh, when I came in the league. And it's funny when you talk about the maturity. When Sid came in, he was, you know, and he's a friend of mine. He, he sent me a beautiful jersey when I retired. And he's a great human being. He's done so much for the sport. But he was a bit of a baby when he came in the league because he was used to, you know, you think about it. He was the man in the Quebec Major Junior League. He ran that league. He probably ran the officials at the time. You know, he ran it. And he came up to the NHL and he kind of thought he was going to have his way with the officials. But then, you know, he quickly realized there's Don Koharski, Terry Gregson, Bill McCreary, Mick Magoo. Uh, no, you know what? You got to stay in your lane. But he quickly figured it out, matured. And I just absolutely loved the guy. I loved refereeing him. I loved being around him. But when you talk about superstars, just to regress here, when I would be in Pittsburgh the last few years and we'd be warming up in the hallway and kind of getting ready before the game, and here would come here would come number 66, Mario Lemieux, walking yeah. down the hall in a suit. And it gives me chills right now because it's him, Jordan, Gretzky, these greats that they have this aura about them that a lot of athletes just don't have. And it's incredible, incredible to be around those people. I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan, so I'm biased. But whenever I watch the Oilers play, I snicker because this is, these are world-class elite athletes, and they are going at mock speed. And then when McDavid gets on the ice, and especially when he's teamed with Dreisaitl, it goes to even another level. So it's frantic. So as a referee, when you're on the ice with guys, if Lemieux and Yager are on the ice together, does your mindset 
change? Do you have a heightened sense of awareness as a ref when those guys are on the ice? Absolutely. And I was on the ice with Leon and, and Connor. And the last couple of years I was on the ice with them. I remember I was in Tampa and Connor was coming down the, the left side and, and he went by me and I felt like one of those turnstiles at the New York subway. <laughs> and, and I quickly realized, you know what, it might be time for you to retire, but it, it is incredible. And, uh, you know, I, it's not just their speed. Like you saw dry sidles backhand pass a few nights ago yeah. to Connor down low. I looked at that and I was telling the coaches at, at, at practice because I, I, I coach with Jamal Mayers and Joe Vitale, the ex-players, and I was telling them about this play. And their hockey sense is just off the charts. But you're right. When they come on the ice, you, you, you know, obviously you've got to be ready for every shift. But, yeah, it's only human nature. I remember when when Mario was on the power play, there were times I, I had to say, hey, you know, get your head out of your butt here and, and quit watching the play, but be ready for the play. You know what I mean? I, you get caught watching these superstars because they're so talented, but then you quickly realize, hey, I've got a job to do out here too. So, yeah, I, I saw, and I saw uh, Connor's goal last night. You're, he, he, you're right. These players are at mock speed, but then he's at Mach 10 and what he's able to do at full speed it's it's just uh, I could watch him play every night. It's incredible. Does it force? This is a joke. Take this tug in cheek, but does it force guys like you and my buddy Dave Jackson, who's on the show too? Does it force guys like you into retirement early? Do you know what I mean? Like you, no. uh, you know, Mick Magoo is a friend of mine too. But I think if Mick was still alive, he would even tell you, listen, the way they're moving now, I don't know if I could keep up. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it for sure a little bit. Like I was the oldest guy on staff when I retired at fifty-five. I re- I turned fifty-five at the end of that season, and you think about it: these kids are twenty, twenty-one, and I'm trying to keep up to them. And and Stephen Walkham, the director of officiating, he recognized this a few years ago where they're hiring ex-players now, and. Uh, because these guys, so he's hiring guys that have played in the East Coast Hockey League, the American Hockey League. So these guys are world-class athletes themselves. And the next time you go to an NHL game, just watch watch these lines when the referees skate now. It's unbelievable. They're all incredible skaters, but they have to be, to your point, because if not, they're going to get in the way. They're going to get run over, and, and quite honestly, they're going to they, they may run a risk of getting hurt themselves because they are going to get in the information. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage live from the Brand Center for Spreads.ca. Wherever you are, however you're listening, we appreciate it. Hey, be very careful driving. I, you know, people might get sick of me uh, talking about my own personal stuff, but they, um, I'm going to make mention of this only to tie it in. If you're driving, be very careful. My son's driving back. He left North Dakota where there was like over a foot of snow. He trudged his way through, uh, slow going down Highway 1. Looked okay till he got to Indian Head, and he's stuck at Indian Head right now because the freezing rain was so crazy, it froze up his windshield immediately. So he's pulled over right now. So just uh, be very careful on your way uh, wherever you are right now. Give us a text, 936-6262. Our text line is powered by Capital um, GMC Buick. 
Cadillac. All right, the Zinger. Do you got any um, got any text there on that text line? Yeah, we got Jerome on the text line. Jerome uh, is not happy with the schedule, uh, the rider schedule. He uh, thinks it's a farce that the riders are not playing on Canada Day weekend. And he also doesn't like how the Canada's team. Yeah, he also doesn't like how uh, the Riders are not playing in Toronto again this year. Uh, apparently, it's been since what year that the Riders have played in Toronto? 2019, before 2018, the before the pe- before yeah, 2019. Well, I think what's on the docket is another uh, Atlantic game. That's what I think is going to be announced. Yeah. Unless they're going to play in Mexico or something. Yeah, wouldn't <laughs> Mexico be, be something, huh? Man. That'd be sweet. What, um, the, oh, you think the Argo fans, they don't even go to their own games? You think they're going to go watch in Mexico? No. We'll have like 4,000 we'll like 4, fans at that uh, big stadium? Come on, give I'd, me a I'd break. go. Imagine playing at the well, Estadio Azteca. I think that's what it's called. It's yeah. Like 100,000. I think that's what it's called, yeah. Uh, we got... Uh, Another uh, someone on the text line. Oh, it's Wanda. What's up, Wanda? How you doing? Wanda from Estevan. Wanda. Hi, Wanda. Yeah, Wanda, the the team photographer for uh, the Regina Thunder and for the Regina Red Sox. Uh, She says, uh, you under-18 AAA game in Estevan tonight between the Bears and Notre Dame postponed due to weather. So, uh, looks like some games yeah. are being affected province-wide due to this uh, freezing rain that uh, your son has encountered near Indian Head, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, if you spent any time on social media outside your main social circle, you might want to uh, believe, and you probably do, that North America needs a nationwide or international bonding activity. And it sounds like most of us would be down for a snowball fight. In a series of new polls, 64% of people say they love or like snowball fights, while only 20% dislike or hate them. People 45 and older were most likely not to like snowball fights, but that's probably because people like me are just out of practice. And among all the people polled, 39% say they haven't had a snowball fight, a good one, in more than 10 years. How about you, Zinger? Have you been in a good snowball fight? Do you like snowball fights? When's the last time you were in a snowball fight? Yeah, a snowball fight would have to be probably like grade 7, 8. The teachers would always get mad at us, so because, you know, it's against the playground rule uh, rules to throw snowballs around because ice chunks and stuff like that. But, oh, yeah, we, we used yeah. to have some really good snowball fights, you know? We used to make it hurt, you know, like aim for the face and stuff. Yeah. We were reckless, so <laughs> just be aim careful. Aim for the face, I love it. <laughs> so, be careful so if you're in a, yeah, we don't condone that. In a snowball fight, would you be an asset right now or a liability, Zinger? Oh, you saw the way I threw the football. I absolute liability. I couldn't throw. I couldn't throw a snowball. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't either. I'd be a li- I would be. Uh, I would be an asset, maybe as a decoy, but I, I definitely wouldn't be I would, that great. Okay, so I would what, like. Were you gonna say? Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna. I would like get all the balls ready, like all the snowballs ready, like all the ammo ready, and then like all my all my fellows on my team, they they'd be the ones launching the snowballs. So I could like compile the snow, I guess. Yeah. Could do there that, you at go. Least. That's it. You'll be the strategic guy. Okay. Don't ruin your holidays by accidentally hurting yourself besides snowball fights. Here are a few common holiday injuries and how to avoid them. I was doing some research. 
falling off the ladder while you're hanging decorations. There are 160 of those type of injuries every day this time of year. The rule of thumb is for every four feet you have to climb up, you should move the base of the ladder one foot away from the wall and for God's sake have someone holding the ladder too. Toy-related injuries. There are around 150,000 of these each year in kids 14 and under, so make sure they're old enough for the new toys you're buying them. Keep that in mind, Zinger. you got that young, great kid, Casper. Mm. Uh, and don't eat his Lego, for gosh sakes, Zinger. Uh, why not? Um, <laughs> Play-Doh? Uh, fires. Yeah, be careful cooking with trees and candles. Uh, trees cause around 100 major fires in December each year. Candles cause 1,000, obviously. Lifting injuries. We get a lot more packages this time of year, so don't rush or twist while picking stuff up. And lift with your legs, not your back. Our buddy Jim from IT twisted his back falling and lifting the other day. So he's kind of walking around like an 80-year-old man today instead of the 44-year-old guy yeah, that he is. And the Stanley. latest report on the... Yeah, and the latest report of the most stressful jobs in America. Now, this is America, but uh, probably Canada right there. The number one stressful job apparently is urologist. Then it's film and video editors, anesthesiologist assistants, not the anesthesiologist, but the assistants, judges, a messenger, or courier. Now, the fun part of List Zinger is seeing where your own job ranks. And according to the results, you and I have a pretty stressful job. Of the 873 jobs listed, radio disc jockey slash announcer is 145. So what we do is more stressful than 83% of the job zinger. In fact, here are a few jobs that are less stressful than a radio announcer. Store security guard embalming dead bodies, airline pilot, disaster response coordinator, captain of the boat, and someone who handles and detonates explosives. Oh, so let me, get, let me get this. Somebody who... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Serious, serious. And, and check this out. Somebody who operates a nuclear power plant... Their job is less stressful than our zinger. Can you believe it? We're under more stress right now than somebody flying an Air Canada flight ballsy. Just think about that. We're so stressed out. Think right about now. that. Oh God. And, 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 and Zinger's got the deep voice, but I thought I'd get this in here just ahead of the Pats broadcast. For us announcers that have a stressful job, this guy paints a very great visual picture. If you got some time tonight, come down to the Brand Center, watch the Pats game. That'll do it for our show. I'll leave you with this so you can appreciate the, 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 the harshness that is the reality of being a radio announcer. And on the 364th day, when God was bored and simply trying to use up all his spare leftover parts, he said, I need someone to get up at 3.30 in the morning with a big mouth and a small amount of common sense. So God made a DJ. He said, I need someone who always knows the time and the temperature, the latest internet rumor, and what time the band takes the stage. So God made a DJ. I need someone willing to give caller number eight a pair of tickets to the Herpes Simplex 12 screen, to spend their Saturdays handing out pizza to used car salesmen, and to ask every single caller what station's doing it for you. So God made a DJ. 
I need someone whose voice and face don't match, like the roar of a lion coming out of the butt of a chihuahua. So God made a DJ. I need someone who can say with a straight face that Nickelback is their favorite band, to ask you for the phrase that pays, and then inform you that you're listening to the hot rockin', flame throwing, booty kicking, steamrolling, corn shucking tower of hit music power that's shaking the lakes and rocking the docks. So God made a DJ. He's a maestro of sexual innuendo, a virtuoso of the fart sound effect, and he or she is always doing it with you, to you, and for you right up until the bigger hour of 10 o'clock. Or beyond? Yes, God made a DJ. So that one day, when your child comes to you and says, when I grow up, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a policeman, a carny, a clown, or a mime, you will have someone else to point to and say, just so you don't end up like that. And that's why God made a DJ. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRA.